How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Mel King, At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk here on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long in studio. Bobby's taking a day off. Steve Geller will join us at 540. I've got Jeff Nowak in our First American Bank uh, Senior Bowl update at 520 today. And at uh, 435, Mark Schlereff from Odyssey Sports will be on with us to talk, certainly, uh, Super Bowl, playoffs, how it all broke down, and um, I got to watch a little bit of the practices this morning, Charlie, <laughs> from the Senior Bowl and uh, sign of as advertised, man, uh, Talese Fuaga uh, from Oregon State. That was State. the name I was going to bring up. Man, he's huge. Yeah, yeah, he's the best run blocker to group, and uh, he, he's really gotten better as a pass protector. You talk about a big man who can move, and uh, the other guy, too, Tyler Guyton uh, from Oklahoma. A uh, big wingspan guy. <laughs> He's a massive individual that's going to play left tackle and play left tackle for a long time in the NFL. Uh, both those guys, I think, will go anywhere from 11 through probably 17 in round one. So that's an area where the, the Saints uh, could well be picking. I, I always say this about the senior bowl, and I, I feel the same way about Manning when I when watch it on a Thursday and then you go back to Friday. I think uh, because you have not – played or practiced with these receivers, the quarterbacking play is a little off. The second day you get a much better look at the quarterbacks and the timing and everything. You can see the arm strength and how they can throw it. And I saw Pinnix and, and Nick's uh, along with Michael Pratt this morning. And they were a little off in the timing, but you would expect that. You, you've you not worked with these receivers. Uh, Quinion Mitchell, too, from Toledo, uh, who I think is going to be a top 22 pick in the draft at cornerback. Man, he can play. Um, ain't nobody was beating him uh, on one-on-ones. He, he did a great job. So we'll talk to Jeff Nowak about uh, senior practices uh, he watched today and everything that he got to saw um, at, in Mobile. Uh, as expected, Charlie, uh, news came out. Pete Carmichael is probably the worst secret that he's joining Sean Payton out with the Broncos and in some capacity uh, as a, either a senior advisor offensively or assistant quarterback coach, whatever. Um, we knew this was going to happen with Pete, that he eventually he would team back up. And uh, Jeff Duncan had this story this morning that uh, – that that would be the team up. And so uh, I haven't got the official announcement, but again, it's no shock. Uh, Pete Carmichael teaming back up with Sean Payton. Not at all. I, I mean, we called it as soon as he get, we moved on from him. He has a job in the NFL, and it's going to be with Sean in Denver. So, yeah, it's not shocking. 
I want to actually get back to the senior bowl real quick. Mike, I know we're going to be talking about it a lot, but Guyton is an interesting prospect because he started on the left and then he moved to the right. So he could, I, I think he could hypothetically play either. We talked with Justin Mello last week of the Draft Network, and he said that out of, I mean, and you've said it multiple times, this is a loaded offensive tackle class. But he said that Guyton might have the most raw skill of any of those prospects. And he knows that, you know, you got uh, Fashanu from Penn State, and then you have, you know, uh, Fuaga from Oregon State. You have uh, Marius from Notre Dame. Mims, I would give him the, that title uh, from Georgia. Okay. He's only started eight games, but uh, he worked out with a friend of mine who was kind of a guru on offensive line. And, man, I've never seen a guy. Like Mike would say when I showed him the film, he was like, Mike, he's a freaking giant. Mm. Uh, talk about a guy that can move his feet. He's had some injuries. Uh, he sort of had to wait his time. Eight starts at Georgia. That was it. But you talk about a guy with some potential. And when they're going to work him out, he's going to – through the charts. So I would say Mims would be one, Tyler would be the two guy. Tyler Guyton. So the more kind of names I see pop up at the Senior Bowl, and I mean the combine is going to be coming up pretty soon, the more I think that there's going to be a, a lot of the names coming in from you know where the Saints are picking towards the end of the first round are going to be a lot and a lot of offensive linemen. And I think that may give you an opportunity to slide. Yeah, absolutely. The reasoning why somebody – because Alt and uh, Olu will go real quick. And then I think Fuagu and Guyton may be off board by the time the Saints pick. And So if you're looking for a tackle, and either one – and most likely maybe Guyton would be there, or you want to try to pick on somebody else, maybe Mims – then all of a sudden now for you to slide back a few slots, that really wouldn't be a hard thing, and you accumulate draft choices. You, you accumulate picks uh, that way. In a draft that Loomis has already said multiple times he thinks and views as very deep. So you, we, the Saints never trade back. They never do. But, but I would, I would seriously it. think about it. I Absolutely. would seriously think about it because you need picks. You need to get younger uh, on this football team. you got to make the right picks once you slide back. But uh, still in all, uh, I think it, it's one of those type situations that uh, you have that opportunity. I think the biggest surprise today, though, that the Lions did not lose their offensive coordinator. Ben Johnson staying put. Because Ben – I mean, everything you heard Sunday was Ben Johnson looks as though he's going to be the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. They sent a plane, and they were going to go interview Aaron Glenn and Ben in Detroit. Halfway there to get a a call, Ben Johnson's staying. So it even caught them off guard. Now you hear some of the guys uh, or some of the people that were saying, oh, it's not a real big surprise. Well, why'd you report it uh, for the last couple of weeks that, that Johnson was going to be the guy? If, if it's not a surprise, I think that caught everybody a little bit off guard because Ben looked as though he was ready to become a head coach at 37 years old. Um, he had done a great job, I think, with the Lions as the offensive coordinator. I think we were he did both a fantastic convinced that he would be in job. Washington with Josh Harris and that new regime and with the Commanders. I, I thought that was a pretty good fit, especially because they had the number two pick. You got money, quarterback of the future. They got money to spend in free agency. It made a lot of sense. Uh, but no, Ben Johnson apparently he. I don't want to say he stuck his nose up at him necessarily, but but he stuck a digit at him. Yeah, no, he's he's staying put in Detroit, and that's awesome news for Dan Campbell and the Lions. He's coming back for another year. 
Uh, but you got to think now, 37 years old, when he's 38 in that next coaching cycle, he's probably going to get scooped up. Man, the thing about it is, there's only 32 of those jobs in the world. For and you to say, I'm not interested. Man, um, and I know he wanted a pretty good price, but listen, the way head coaches get paid today, I mean, for a multi-billionaire, I don't think that would be the issue. I, I think this is tells you more about what maybe some people think in the business of the commanders. Which is fascinating because I know that his price was a little bit outlandish for a first-time head coach. I think it was reported that he wanted anywhere from ten to fifteen million to be a head coach of whatever franchise he goes to. Uh, you know, if you're Josh Harris and you're the Washington Commanders, you probably pay that price. So I think I'm. You know, at first when you said that, Mike, I was a little bit surprised. But the more I think about it, the more it makes sense. It's got to be something with the Commanders organization that he's just not. Not necessarily a fan of. And then who knows what the Seahawks are doing. They've really kept that tight to vest. I, there, all the reports were saying that Johnson was going to go to Washington and that it was going to be a done deal once Detroit was eliminated. Uh, now he's staying put. But there hasn't been much buzz about who Seattle's going to take. Other than Dan Quinn. They, uh, Dan Quinn was kind of early on in the process. Like I don't know if they're still kind of targeting him. He's got the obvious connection to Seattle. And the, and the GM. Yeah. Yeah. And with John Snyder because he had been the defensive coordinator there. And that sometimes is is a little bit of a tip-off. Uh, but, man, they've interviewed a lot of different people uh, for that job. The one guy I thought they'd bring in was Mike Rabel, and they haven't. Yeah. Uh, so far, they have not bring in Mike Rabel. I thought maybe he might get a second chance at it. But he might get another – kind of similar to what happened with Arthur Smith where now he's the coordinator, <laughs> offensive coordinator for Now Pittsburgh. that fits – yeah, I mean, well, that fits because I, I go back with Arthur when when he was with the Titans, and he was the one that said, "No, no, why, why are we kind of alternating Derrick Henry? He becomes the guy." And it was Arthur that came up with that scheme to run the football. Henry being uh, the guy that the spotlight's on. And boy, it worked. And and that propelled him to become the head coach with the Falcons. Now he goes to the Steelers and what they're known for, running, running the football the yep. on offense. Yeah, and, so, I mean, that fit makes sense. But what I'm trying to say is that Vrabel might go back to a coordinating position potentially instead of just jumping straight to a head coaching spot. Or, or do you think he's just going to sit out a year until he might the next just sit cycle? out a year. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, on that particular part. We'll be back with a lot more sports talk here on the Big 870. I know Charlie don't want me to talk about it, but, man, the Pels again last night. Ooh. (laughs) Uh, We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870 right after this break. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours. Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. Steve Geller will join us at about 540 for a triple option. 
Uh, Charlie, let's go to our Oakland Hard Jewelers talk and text line. Let's go to James. James in the huddle with Mike and Charlie. Hey, guys. Uh, listen, I, I kind of feel like we lost Gil Brandt or something, you know, with the, uh, you know, Ireland's uh, right-hand man or whatever. We, we, we haven't really done much of anything in the draft. No, we haven't. I, I'm hopeful. We haven't done anything since 2017. Yeah. It's been, yeah. a, it's been a mostly misses in the early rounds. And so with that, I'm hopeful that not only will we consider either Greasy or, or Kubiak, but someone from the 49ers uh, scouting department. I don't know, you know. I don't think there's any ties there. But, I mean, if you look at the 49ers, remember we, when we picked up AK, we had to trade for him, right? Because Correct. he was originally picked from, from the 49ers. And one thing about their draft people, they like to pick guys up with balance. You look at... Uh, even though McCaffrey wasn't their pick, but they traded for him. You look at uh, Debo, Debo these guys, Ayuk, yeah, these guys, Kittle. Yeah, yeah, these, <laughs> yeah and, 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 and that the guy with the African name, the receiver. These guys have all have great balance. They, 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 they're very specific in what they want. And you look at Purdy, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, you tell me. Uh, his, 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 his draft scout numbers weren't that much better than Haynes, right? But they made them fit the system. I'm, all, all, you know, I mean, uh, you, you know, you look at Greasy, the OC, uh, with the 49ers. He wasn't a great quarterback. Neither was his dad. His dad was a great player, but he didn't have Mahomes type, you know, skills. But he made it work. I mean, I, I think Greasy would be a good pick, and I like Kubiak because I love his dad. His dad, you know, you know, you can't talk offensive line without talking, you know, Kubiak. You know, his, 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 even though, I mean, they had this thing with child blocking, I don't think they would be able to do that now. But they focus on the offensive line. You wouldn't get guys blocking like girls, you know, averaging less than three yards up the middle like we've been experiencing these past three years. James, so. this is my opinion. You you become a much smarter coach when you got better players. And, and where this team has faltered is up front, offensive, defensive line. Uh, you haven't hit. Uh, Cam Jordan's a pro football Hall of Fame guy. Uh, but, okay, and Carl Grandison, I think, is a real solid player. But we don't know anything about Peyton Turner. He's been hurt. We don't know anything about him. Uh, defensive tackles, uh, they've been okay. Uh, offensive line, you got two project players here and Trevor Penning and Saul DeVere, who, who didn't get any playing time last year because of injuries. You you got some issues if you're not strong up front. And if you look at the teams that made it to the Final Four, they were all really good in the trenches. It matters. And that's where you got to hit. And if you look at all the – I've done this 38 years. If you look at the charts, where you hit the most, offensive-defensive line. And yet that has not been the case. Uh, other than Eric McCoy – uh, now, Ramchak was an unbelievable pick in 2017 uh, because before the injuries, you could make a strong argument. Best right tackle in pro football. Um, the knee injury has certainly taken its toll on him. But you got three other spots there, and you still don't know anything about that that particular part. Charlie, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but other than the quarterback position, which you don't have the guy, that will take you to the next level. You don't have that on the team uh, right now. Offensive line, defensive line, 
that's where they have to concentrate this offseason. Here's your biggest question marks last year, Mike. I specifically Go, going remember. into the season. Going into the season, the biggest thing that would hold them back is offensive line play. And they never established a run game because the offensive line was, was shaky at best. I mean, you may have found something with Andrews Peter left tackle if you keep him here. I mean, there's just too many question marks because James Hurst is apparently under contract this upcoming year. And you have Eric McCoy at center that's locked in. He's under a long-term yeah. deal. You have Cesar Ruiz locked in under a long-term deal, which, you know, he's a replacement-level right guard. I don't, I don't really know why, but I feel like you could have probably improved that spot. Ryan Ramchek, you got the injury concerns uh, with what he's dealing with this offseason. He might have to have surgery. He's got issues with his knees. Uh, and then on left tackle, you spent a first-round pick on Trevor Penning that hasn't panned out. So you And you traded up into round four for Saul DeVere. And Saul DeVere was injured. See, yeah, I mean, he didn't see any playing time, really, this, this season. At least any meaningful playing time. So now you got two project guys along the offensive line. you got uh, two project guys, but once again, you only have like two, maybe three spots locked in for next year. And, and so you have to spend more draft capital on that spot. Now, it's a good year to do it because this class, as we mentioned in the first segment, is loaded at offensive line. Uh, but I think you, at this point, Mike, you got to trade back, right? From 14, you got to pick collect up extra picks. picks got to collect and, picks. and be able to kind of build up the trenches, right? I, that's That makes the most sense to me. Yeah. And uh, this is not a great year for edge rushers. They, they don't have a ton of them out there. There's a couple top at, like Jared Verse, I think we, we both agree is very I, I nice. really like Jared Verse. Uh, Turner's pretty good. Like there's some top level edge rushers. It's not deep at edge, though. No, it's not. And. There, Latulu, that's going to be the medical question on him because he actually gave up football. Medically retired at Washington before he transferred to UCLA. And so you're going to have to have your doctors clear him. Um, Charlie, you might see the next Cam Jordan. I might not. With Latu? No, I said you might see the next oh, Cam Jordan yeah. for what he's done production-wise and everything else. Man, across the league, everybody. And, I mean, this year he had a ton of injuries. Uh, he's, but, man, you look throughout his career, that guy was a big-time player uh, for this football team. So Should be a future Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to be in a pro football Hall of Fame. I know they, they got one of them, oh, man, uh, there ain't no way. Uh, yeah, Cam Jordan will be a pro football Hall of Fame selection one day. Um, you basing it off of one year, not his his entire career uh, as a football player. Full body of work, as we say. Yeah, exactly. So maybe the crack pipe, maybe uh, that he suggested, maybe he got it, not us. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870. And Mark Schlereff from Odyssey Sports right after this break here on the Big 870. Back here on sports talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with Charlie Long. On our Oakland Hard Jewelers talk and text line is Odyssey Sports NFL insider Mark Schlereth. Inside inside calls are brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin too. Mark is also the host of the Stinkin' Truth podcast covering the entire NFL. Make sure to follow the Stinkin' Truth podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. You got it, man. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. Uh, Mark, uh, your thoughts, um, because everything this week's all been about what Dan Campbell did or didn't do uh, on it. But if you've watched the Lions, uh, he's done this all season long. You, you know, I, I get it. It wouldn't have been what I would have done. I'd have been more conservative and I'd have kicked the field goal. I would not have run the football on the third down. But he has always been, Mark, to me, a hyper-aggressive coach. 
And so it's won for him all those times, and now he gets criticized for it because it didn't work. If it had worked, oh, Dan Campbell's a genius uh, for doing this. What a great play call. But it goes to show that's what why they pay you all that money to coach. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I get it. But, you know, each game is its own separate entity, and each game has to be coached in a manner to say, hey, what gives us the best opportunity to win on the road in the NFC Championship yeah. game? And, you know, I get it. You know, you've got a guy in Reynolds that drops a ball that should have been complete, and that would have been a first down. But, you know, I think about it from a different standpoint, I guess. Just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean it's the best way to do it. And if you learned anything from the Dallas game, in which yeah. would have been the number two seed overall, you know, I, I get it. Like, a two-point conversion, and we've talked about this before, you have one in any game plan that you go into that you like or that you maybe you love, and then one that you kind of like, and that's it. The rest of them are your third down package or your goal line package. And from the you know three-yard line, it's your third down package. Well, here's the issue that you get into. Like, if you're doing it from a third down package standpoint, you don't have depth, so you're really playing against 12 defenders, the 12th defender being the end line. So all those, all those plays that you try to go high-low and create space, well, that doesn't work when you're on the three-yard line. Because there is no space. So you're limiting there. And then the two-point conversion plays, you, do you know how many times we practice the two-point conversion during the course of a week? Once. There's a five-play period goal line two-point conversion play. And you do it on Fridays. So that means half the time you're doing it at half-speed walkthrough. So, it, you know, I, I get into this. It's what's best for us as a football team at this particular point in time. And the best thing you could have done, you kick a field goal, you go up by 17 points on a 46-yard field goal, you go up by 17 points, three scores, and guess what? Now you kick off to them. There's a TV timeout. Now you kick off to them. There's another TV timeout. And at the end of the day, whatever momentum, like you, you, you don't have momentum, and the time that has lapsed is six minutes because you've had at least one or two TV timeouts. So instead, you go for it on fourth down, you don't convert, there's a drop, instantly they've got momentum, and now they're only down by two scores. And they go and score. Like I, I, I get that that's revisionist history, but the bottom line is by making that decision with seven minutes left in the third quarter, you gave them hope and you gave them momentum. And that's my problem with that. And then, of course, the one in the fourth quarter where you can make it 27-27 and you decide to go for it, that's just dumb. Yeah. I, I mean, that one's just dumb. And don't tell me you do it all the time because at the end of the second half, you didn't go for it. No, he didn't. But he, so, his trend was that way throughout the year. So when I saw him go for it, it was no surprise to me. It, no, it really no, wasn't I, a surprise to me. Yeah, it wasn't a surprise to me either. I just, again, I just disagree with the situation. And there's part of me that believes that a lot of the stuff has happened simply because of the way the analytics has worked out. You know, you, you let analytics people get in your ears and, and talk to you about, hey, what, you know, what the percentages are and all that stuff. And I just am not a believer, man. I, I, you got to go with your gut. You got to go with the situation. You got to go with how you're feeling. Are we blocking them? Like all those different things. Um, but I just agree with those two decisions. Mark, uh, you spent a good portion of your career in Washington with the – 
who it was at that time, the Redskins, not a commander's. Your thoughts on what's happened today when, uh, man, everybody was reporting. It looked like Ben Johnson had the job. He was going to be the new head coach uh, of the Washington Commanders. Okay, and you got the hierarchy. They fly into Detroit, and halfway there, they get a phone call. Hey, Ben Johnson's not interested. Uh, they were going to also interview Aaron Glenn. Your thoughts on that situation with the Commanders? Because, okay, you got a super high pick in this year's draft. You got money capital. Uh, sort of what is unraveled here? Because you knew Rivera. He was one of the first ones that got pink slipped. So you got time to sort of build uh, that group of head coaches you want. You've waited all this time. Now you want to talk to Johnson, and then he pulls out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, like Ben, and I talked to Ben um, about it a couple of months, I guess a couple of months ago I was doing a Detroit game. And he was really like, hey, man, I'm not in a hurry. I am young. I'm in a great place. I've got a great quarterback. I've got a great offensive football team. And and I, and he loves Dan Campbell. He's like, I am not in a hurry. So it's going to have to be a perfect situation. Now, hey, had it been the Chargers, I think you'd have gone. You know, you got Herbert, you know, and, and you've got an opportunity to do something special. But – I, I will tell you, and, and you guys know this as well as I do, just because you draft one high doesn't mean the guy can play. You know, and, and I get so I get so upset about I get so upset about like the divisional round. Seven of the eight quarterbacks were first rounders. Oh, ask me how Cleveland feels about Baker Mayfield being a first rounder. How's that working out in Cleveland for them? It's not. How about Los Angeles? You know, they paid to get Jared Goff to leave. So, you know, and Jared Goff, to me, has developed into a top-ten quarterback. I think he's awesome. But, you know, I mean, you sit there and tell me, like, sit there and tell me in any NFL franchise, if you draft a quarterback and he becomes a bust, like, how the Jets feel about Sam Darnold right now? If Sam Darnold goes somewhere next year after a year of rehab under Kyle Shanahan and lights it up, you think the Jets are going to go, the Jets fans are going to go, yeah, we got that one. Perfect. Oh, but Zach awesome. Wilson. Right. <laughs> so so don't give me this whole first round. Like 75% of the guys can't play dead in a Western. So, you know, it, it, just because you have a high draft pick doesn't mean <laughs> the dude you pick can play. Um I think we've seen we've seen and we've seen guys that can play. You got to pick the right guy, and so you know I don't I don't I don't know. But Ben wasn't in a hurry. He told me he wasn't in a hurry, and he stayed pretty true to his word. It looks like one of the things you looked at Kansas City, and we've had a couple of their coaches come to our Louisiana line camp. Uh, Pete Jenkins sort of runs it along with Kevin Mawai, and. And two years ago, I asked him, man, you got all these young pieces on defense. How good your defense is? Uh, Brandon Daly, who's their linebackers coach, uh, run defense uh-huh. coordinator. And he was like, Mike, I don't really know. I got a lot of young pieces here, but I do have Chris Jones. He said, that, that one I can tell you about. This year, when we sit down to talk, I said, how you like your defense? He said, man, we're going to be really good and we really young, but we talented and young. And we fit. The players we got all sort of fit what we want them to do. And I also look at Detroit in that one draft. You get Jameer Gibbs and Campbell, Brian Branch, Sam Laporta. Bang, 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 bang. That's how you build the football team. And what the Chiefs did two years ago, and every draft choice makes it. And I think right now five of the seven 
are starting uh, for them in, in one capacity or another. That's how you build it. What you brought up about fit, I think, is so important in this league, and it gets overlooked at draft time. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. And I mean, I've been around, I've been around so many guys that probably could have been great players, but they went to the wrong place. Yep. And it just didn't work. You know, here's a guy that I think I mentioned. I mentioned this guy, uh, Sam Darnold, a year of football rehab under Kyle Shanahan, and I did the San Francisco 49ers uh, last two games of the season. And so I spent some time with Sam Darnold, talking to Sam Darnold and, and Kyle Shanahan, because I've known Kyle since he was 14 years old. And, you know, he goes, you know, get, here's Sam Darnold, you know, the third overall pick goes to the Jets. Jeremy Bates is their offensive coordinator. He worked for, you know, he worked under Adam Gase in Denver, and he worked with, with Tom Brady, I mean, excuse me, uh, Peyton Manning. And he's like, listen, man, like he rolls in there as a rookie and they're trying to run the Peyton Manning offense, which is, hey, let's just be static. Nobody motion so we don't get any pre-snap tells. Just diagnose the defense, Peyton, pre and then post-snap and throw it to the guy that you think is going to be open. Kyle was like, there's one person and one person on the planet that can run that offense, and it's Peyton Manning. And so you put him into this. And he fails miserably. Well, there's a reason he fails miserably. He went to, you know, a coaching staff that are idiots. And then ultimately, um, you know, Sam goes, the first time that he's ever been in a true progression offense was the year before, not last, not last season, but the year before last season when, when uh, Steve Wilkes took over as the head coach and Ben McAdoo became the offensive coordinator. So the last half of his, of his you know, year in Carolina. Like, you think about that. So, like, this is the first year that he's actually operated a real, live, true NFL offense. And, you know, and, you know, he's, he's, and he's the bust, right? He's, he's bad. This will be – so the next team will be, he'll be on will be his fourth team. But he had to go through it, and he turned down more money to go other places just so he could go and work with Kyle Shanahan and learn an actual NFL offense. And I think that, that's a guy – it's going to have kind of one of those opportunities to be like a Baker Mayfield and what Baker Mayfield did in Tampa this year. And so, you know, but it, it just being in the right place, and you talked about their defense, man. You took the top from bottom with Bolton at the middle linebacker position. You talked about Chris Jones. You got Karloftis, really good. Then you look at, you know, Sneed and McDuffie and, the, and, and Reed. Reed. yeah. Their back end, their back end, they have the ability to come up, press you in man, disrupt you, reroute you, um, create opportunities. You know, it's, we always talk about when the back end and the front end, you know, combined well. Like when, when you combine well and you play well, you complement one another, um, rush and, and coverage complements one another, you got a chance to be really good. And the Kansas City Chiefs are really good when it comes to complementing one another between rush, pass rush, and coverage. We're speaking with Mark Schler from Odyssey Sports. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice Gentleman's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization because men have skin too. Charlie, you have a question for Mark. Yeah, Mark, just looking at the AFC Championship game, I know we've just talked about Kansas City's defense and how elite it's been. Everyone kind of talked about Baltimore, the top-scoring defense, but Kansas City was right there at number two. 
And, I mean, they showed it against that Ravens offense. But at the same time, what the Ravens went in and did was so unlike them. Mike, you had shared the stat last week that nobody ran the ball more than they threw it outside of Baltimore. Baltimore was the only one that did it. And they just went away from it in that game. I mean, if you're looking at their season averages, the amount of times that they gave the ball to the running back, the running back carries 22.3 per game. That's a ton. But at the same time, their lowest was 15 in the regular season. Against Kansas City, it was six. Two carries yeah. were given to Zay Flowers, and then Lamar ran a few times as well. Six running back carries in that game against Kansas City. It just seemed like they went away from what worked for them all season long. In, inexcusable. And, you know, it's one of these things. I get this with coordinators all the time and, and head coaches at call plays. And it's, it's, it's an epidemic in my mind. Like, there are things we, we used to call just tank plays. We're going to call it and run it. And we're just tougher and bigger and better than you. And we're going to out-execute you, right? And now it's all about, hey, the perfect play. We've got the perfect play dialed up. And if they give us this, we're going to go to this. And if they give us this, we're going to go to this. And, you know, and, and I look at that like, really? Because now I'm sitting on my heels and nobody gets to be able to, to dictate to the other team. And, you know, they call, them, they call them premium plays. We can always get into a premium play. Like, no, you can't. Sometimes you just got to call it and run it. And Baltimore is so good, especially with the zone read stuff, you know, because they'll flag that ball in the running back's belly. And if, you know, the read is to hand it to him because the defensive end can kind of surfs and doesn't, doesn't pinch, like that guy's going to get four yards before anybody can tackle him because the backside, you know, the cornerback the, the and the safety and the, and the linebackers are not going to constrict because they're so worried about Lamar pulling it and getting around the edge, right? And so it, it just becomes an issue. And then all the RPO stuff that's created off of that stuff, right? And, and that's what they do. And the one thing when I talk to coordinators and, and I've done Baltimore games, they all say the same thing. We're going to try to make Lamar – be a pocket passer. We're going to try to make him be a drop-back passer because that's not what he does well. And yet, the Baltimore Ravens almost – it felt like the Baltimore Ravens said, hey, our quarterback is just as good as your quarterback, and we're going to out Mahomes Mahomes. <laughs> that's the dumbest thing. Like, they, you're not because you know what? Mahomes is better than you, and he's a better quarterback than you are. You're an unbelievable athlete. Lean into it embrace it you did it all season long and then all of a sudden we're gonna get the afc championship and not be who we are like it that is that and not only that you know you're you're playing against the world champions you think you're gonna intimidate them you think you're gonna get four personal fouls and be able to overcome that how dumb are you guys like they play you're either coaching or allowing it to happen they played stupid they had a bad game plan and they played dumb you're not going to win those games, and, and they didn't. And, and you know what? And that's, to me, on those coaches and the fact that those coaches allow that stuff to happen. Mark, I told this to Bob last week. Don't bet against Pat Mahomes. He was like, 14 and 3. He was like, Mike, no, come, come, come on. Uh, this is the year for the Ravens. I said, okay, 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 okay. I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, we argue about it, uh, very few things. But he was like, no, Mike, I'm telling you, but this is Baltimore's yeah. year. And then at the end of the game, he was, what kind of game plan was that? <laughs> you got to be careful. It's like, Bob, don't ask me. You're the one who picked him. Yeah, so, you know, hey, lay off of that. Lay off of that. But Andy Reid and what Spags did. Really was impressive in that game to pull that out. And we know they limited on offense to some extent, certainly outwided the receiver part. But, man, they make it work. And, man, in big games, Mahomes is special. Yeah, he is. He, he just is. You know, as much as I – living in Denver, as much as I want to hate his guts, 
I just don't. I just, I, I'm just, I'm a fan of greatness, and that dude is great. Mark, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Really appreciate it, bud. You got it, guys. Take care. All righty. That was Odyssey Sports NFL Insider Mark Schlereth. Insider Carl's are brought to you by Old Spice, where men have skin too. We'll be back to finish it up here in our number one of Sports Talk on the Big 870 right after this break. We're finishing up here in our number one of Sports Talk on the Big 870. In our 5 o'clock hour, we'll be talking Senior Bowl with Jeff Nowak, who's in Mobile. Also, a little bit of Pelicans talk when we come back right after this news break here on the Big 870 WWL. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com.